Brexit and the transition period is over. The UK has left the European single market. We are no longer in the EU customs union. So we have finally found an agreement. Glad tidings of great joy. Brexit means breakfast. Brexit. What do you think about Brexit? What, what's that? Brexit is bothering both ends of the business spectrum. Free trade deal between the UK and the EU. A deal. The result of 2020's torturous negotiations is a 1,246-page document, the effects of which are now starting to be fully realised. The headlines are Zero tariffs or quotas on trade between the UK and the EU Changes to the rules on import and export licensing New provisions for services which make up the bulk of Britain's economy And new rules for people trying to move goods between Britain and Northern Ireland or Britain and Europe My name is Nick Wallace, I'm a journalist and this mini-series for the London Business Hub is about helping businesses get to grip with the practicalities of Britain's new trading environment we're getting to the heart of the Brexit-related issues affecting small to medium-sized businesses. In each episode, we'll meet a London-based business with some questions and queries and pair them up with an expert or two who will hopefully be able to answer everything. Today, we're going to focus on the music industry. It's been headline news that touring artists have not been granted any special conditions or work permits when touring the EU. This is making processes a little knotty, but perhaps we'll be able to find some ways to uncomplicate the matter. Paul Crockford is the owner of Crockford Management, which specialises in touring and promotion. Hi there, Paul. Hi there, Nick. Tell us then about your business model. What do you do and how do you make your money? I'm a, a music manager and I make some part of my money out of uh, touring my artists across the globe. And do you also manage artists in this country, foreign artists coming and touring over here? Not specifically, but I'm often involved because of uh, my background. Having been a promoter, I'm often consulted about helping people out coming into the UK or consulting with festivals. So, yeah, I, I work both ways. How long have you been working in the industry? Since 1976. Whoa. So you've seen plenty of bands come and go, I guess. What was the sort of size of touring outfit that you tend to work with when you take a band on tour to Europe? Um, massively depends. Um, at the top level, high level, it would be Mark Knopfler or Dire Straits. So that would be stadiums or arenas across the globe, down to new bands that we have where it's four people in a van with uh, their gear in a tra and a trailer behind it. So pre-Brexit, what were the things that you always had to look out for that you had to make sure that you got right? Pre-Brexit, it was about navigating the individual territories social security requirements but mainly it was seamless one benefit of being in the eu was from touring perspective was you loaded up your equipment in the uk you put your band and crew on a bus and you schlepped across on the ferry or on the euro tunnel whatever it was and then you trolled around europe doing the shows selling merchandising be that cds or t-shirts and picking up the money or getting the money sent to the uk and then you you came back so what are the issues that are now affecting touring bands throughout Europe? Well, the issue now is the complete lack of clarity. While we're told that the, you know, we're going to tariff-free trade, which turns out not to be the case, but from a touring perspective, the problems are many. They range from issues with uh, freighting visas or visa-free travel, withholding tax, the issues on export of merchandising, be that CDs or t-shirts uh, and a complete lack of information coming back 
from the government about uh, how we deal with this as an industry. What sort of size band is this going to hit the most? Because I imagine that the big juggernauts that turn up with their three lawyers who've got a massive fan base who would cause an international incident if they were refused entry at the border could afford the extra charges that might be imposed. Maybe it's not going to be so much a problem for them as, as the mid-sized and smaller size bands who, who, who do still have a fan base that makes it worthwhile them touring Europe. Absolutely. And, and the issue around merchandising is key because in a lot of cases that you'd you do shows in France that you might break even on the you know the ticket income, but you'd make money and, and make it pay for the band by selling you know t-shirts and 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 music, and at the moment uh, you know that doesn't seem to be possible uh, without getting into a whole slew of of regulation and customs requirements etc. In terms of marginal cost, you know if a tour is going to break even pre-Brexit and lose money post-Brexit then people just aren't going to do it and they'll, you know, they won't go to Europe. And what you'll be left with is a Gobi desert between small bands and medium to larger bands who can absorb this kind of cost and have the, the ability to engage specialised personnel to try and work around it. And the DTI's current advice to the trucking firms is set up in Europe. That's the only way to avoid these issues. Okay, Paul, let's see if we can get some answers then. I mentioned Mandy and Jackie. I will introduce you formally to Mandy Higgins and Jackie Bickerton, both lawyers at the Brexit Specialists Waitmans. Mandy Higgins is the head of business immigration with 18 years experience in immigration and employment law. And Jackie Bickerton is a professional support lawyer with over 30 years experience covering insurance fraud and public law welcome to you both mandy let's go with you first if we may just just talk us through um some of the thoughts you've had whilst listening to paul talk about visa requirements for touring stuff because that for anyone who's got to travel through multiple countries in the future visa requirements are going to be key aren't they Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it was hoped by musicians that the final Brexit agreement would include special consideration for touring professionals, including some kind of, of low-cost, long-term travel arrangements for, for artists and crew. Unfortunately, that there's no special consideration in the deal for working musicians. We're in a position where if you want to visit a country within Europe for tourism and not working purposes, you can do so for up to 90 days in any 180 day period and you're quite free to do that. However, if you're traveling for short term work, then UK nationals are now third country nationals. So in each EU country's regulations on work permits, because each member state has got different conditions and requirements. And I think what's becoming clear now is there is no EU um, as a single entity if you are outside it as we are now you have to look at each individual member state to find out what type of work permit you need to do the work that you want to do there's a really good web page it's the incorporated society of musicians and they have a web page entitled short-term eu work permit arrangements for uk musicians that's www.ism.org that's a really useful starting point. It's for reference purposes only, and it doesn't constitute legal or immigration advice, but it does give you an overview of the different requirements for short stay work permits for each country in, in the EU. There are some countries, for example, France, where no permit is required for a musician for up to 90 days in any 12 month period. 
so that's if you're you're going sort of for a sporting, cultural, artistic and scientific event. So there are some states where you can go and you can go almost as freely as you could before Brexit. And what about tax regimes? Presumably they go hand in hand with similar issues like work permits. That's right. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm not a tax expert, but but yes, that, that's correct. You have to look at, at the tax requirements for each EU member state. And then even when you found out the work permit that you actually require, the paperwork and um, the information that you need to get that visa is, is comprehensive and it, it, it's difficult. Okay, let's have a chat about freight and haulage because I was introduced to a phrase called cabotage. Cabotage, yeah, I love that phrase. Which, which <laughs> sounds suspiciously similar to sabotage. <laughs> Paul, can you briefly explain what cabotage is? So cabotage has been in existence for decades and cabotage limits the amount of stops and deliveries that a single truck can make within the EU. So, for example, if you picked up a lot of prawns in the UK and you were shipping them into Paris, that would be fine. That would be you pick it up, you take it to Paris, you'd make your drop, you'd come back home. If, however, you're a, a touring freighter, so, for example, you're picking up your equipment uh, in the UK and you're trolling around Europe doing 30 or 40 shows in six or seven different countries, you fall foul of the cabotage rules, which limits you to three stops or three drops, I think it is at which point you supposedly have to come back to your third party country. It basically means that you cannot use a UK freight company to do your rock and roll trucking. It's physically impossible because otherwise you'd be coming back every three days. It's just, it would just be unworkable. Jackie, what solution could you offer Paul on this other than the one he mentioned, which was to hire a foreign trucking company? I actually agree with the majority of what Paul has said, particularly setting up in, in EU. But I think... We have to look at the different types of touring you do. So cabotage differs to cross-trade, as Paul's made reference to. Cross-trade is the movement of goods between two member states, i.e. you pick something up from France and take it to Spain, with Spain being the end point, and that's the job done. Cabotage is very different in that it's the loading and unloading of goods and equipment for hire for reward in one country by a vehicle registered in a different country. So that's the definition of cabotage. For example, a UK truck with all of the band's equipment going over. So one way, and one, one thing that is certainly being suggested is for concert hauliers to set up EU operations, but that is costly. That is hugely costly and not achievable for many of the smaller bands. The bigger organisations, possibly yes, but we're not just dealing with cabotage. When you're considering cabotage, you must also look at the documentation that needs to be carried. For example, documents must show the name and address of the sender and haulier, the place and the date the goods were picked up, the place that the goods are being delivered to, and so on and so on and so on. So the actual logistics of organising the cabotage for two to three stops Again, in my view, far outweigh. The only option I can see at the moment, and I have got to caveat by saying there is from the industry a lot, a lot of lobbying going on. There are petitions going on and the industry has not been treated very fairly in terms of the logistics of operating in the EU. But the only option they have at the moment is to perhaps use an EU haulier. Is this a gap in the market for maybe even an, an organisation like Waitman's? You say, OK, Paul, 
um, bring us all your woes, and obviously it'll cost you, but we can turn this we can turn this around and tie it all up in a nice bow and hand it back to you so that you're going to have uh, no problems with you and your crew touring 27 states of Europe or however big your tour is. All of Paul's woes can't be solved by a law firm because his hands are tied, as are the industry, by the trade and cooperation agreements. So, for example, the cabotage rules. Waitmans, as lawyers, can't change the laws on that. That's for the industry to lobby. We can help when it comes to things such as, you know, Mandy's work and the visas and, and those kind of things. But the actual fundamental laws, we can't change them. We can help to lobby, but we certainly can't change them. Mandy, just want to bring you back in. I know Paul only consults on this rather than practically does it himself or did pre-COVID. But European artists who want to come and tour here in the UK, if there are any businesses uh, who deal with that side of things, what hurdles do they have to get over before that can happen post-Brexit? Yeah, that's a little bit easier, actually. I mean, firstly, there's there's an option of applying for pre-settled status under the EU settlement scheme. So if any European artist has been in the UK even for one day, prior to the 31st of December, then they should consider whether they can apply for pre-settled status. It lasts for five years. The deadline is the 30th of June, 2021. And that gives you freedom to come and go from the UK as, as you please. Provided you come back once every two years, you can retain that status. So I would say to any EU resident who's been in the UK prior to the 31st of December to have a look to see if you can apply for pre-settled status. For any musician entering the UK from the 1st of January, there's a possibility of coming in on a standard visit visa. Musician, artists and entertainers and their personal technical and production crew, if they're coming here for a performance as an individual or part of a group um, or sort of making personal appearances or taking part in promotional activities, then they can come to the UK as um, a permitted paid engagement, provided they're only staying in the UK for up to one month. So, So coming to the UK is slightly easier than us going to the EU. There's also the option to perform at permit free festivals. Um, That is um, a relatively small number of festivals that have been certified to enable international artists to come through the standard visit visa route. Paul, I don't know whether there's any specific direct question you want to ask Mandy or Jackie as we've been chatting. I mean, it's a difficult one because so much of the world that you're operating in doesn't have an answer to it at the moment, does it? No, I think that what's been educational for me if you like but disappointing is of course unfortunately the experts are just reaffirming everything that you you know that, that i thought which makes it very challenging and i think that um you know when, when we talk about what pre you know brexit look like and, and what post brexit looks like and it taking time you know the 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 lack of detail in the agreement is an absolute nightmare for people having to trade through it. And I think that that's the same in whatever business you're in, but particularly, I think, in music and financial services. But I feel that the only positive side of the pandemic is that this is a, you know, we have some time in the music business to try and see how we can work around this or through this or with this. But this is just the result of leaving a trading entity where we've done business for 40 plus years in a a virtually frictionless fashion to stepping outside and we're now outside that tent and and i think governments 
attitude is very much that you just got to sort it out. Jackie, what advice would you give to a client in the music industry right now? So the trade agreement is there and it's entrenched in legislation, but it's a framework, okay. I have said it's going to be interpreted. There are government committees set up to continue putting more meat on the bone. And one of my favourite pieces of advice I always give is, if you've got a voice, get involved with the lobbying, because if you don't lobby, the government don't know what you want to change. That's the strongest bit of advice I can give at the moment. Get in touch with with your organisations as well who are lobbying government direct um, and make sure they know what is required here. The glimmer of hope, well, we have to wait and see. We just have to wait and see what happens and what transpires. We're only four weeks into this new world, as, as Paula said, after 40 odd years of being entrenched with the EU. It's not set in stone at the moment and things can change. So, yeah, speak up loudly is my advice. Mandy, have you seen anything that makes you think actually this might work out if we continue on the current path? Yeah, I mean, I think I I would agree with Jackie that really big names within the music industry that are getting behind the lobbying and are putting their names to the fact that there really needs to be a low cost long term travel arrangements for for, for performing artists and their crew. So, uh, you know, I would encourage people to to, to lobby um, to, to get that. But in the meantime, really, it's using the time that we've got whilst nobody is traveling anywhere due to COVID to have a look at some of the, um, the, the permits that are necessary. Mandy Higgins and before that, Jackie Bickerton from Waitman's Lawyers. Thank you very much indeed. I'm going to give the final word to Paul. Paul, just listening to everything we've discussed, how do you think you'll be making business decisions in the future? I think for my large bands, this is, you know, it'll just be a huge amount of additional work that we'll work, we'll find a way round and through. I think for smaller bands, it would make me think twice about taking on a, a small artist who needed to break by touring live. Absolutely for sure for me, it would be make a very, very big difference. If you can't make that pay by trundling into Holland and doing 15 shows there and then going into France seamlessly or Belgium or Germany, wherever it happens to be, then it, it will make me have second thoughts about whether or not I do it at all with small bands. And, and and the silver bullet would be a touring pass that, that is negotiated between the EU and the UK that just allows that freedom of movement, contiguous visas, etc. I think a recognition from the both the EU and the UK government that, that touring is very different to just putting a load of pawns on the back of a lorry and delivering it to Paris. Paul, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thanks so much for sparing your time. That's uh, Paul Crockford from Crockford Management. Well, that was an interesting chat with Paul, Jackie and Mandy, wasn't it? It's clearly a tough situation at the moment for the music industry, but I guess the pandemic will give some time for the sector to lobby the government. Some countries, such as France, already have fairly seamless regulations, and whilst it may seem like a big hill to climb right now, and working with different countries will certainly be a challenge, Once you've got the hang of it, it should be easier going forward. You've been listening to the Brexit Ready podcast for the London Business Hub. Join me next time as we pair another business with one or more experts to talk about the challenges and opportunities they're facing. If some of the issues raised by our discussion today have got you thinking about what you might need to do next, the London Business Hub is here to help. You can book an appointment with one of their EU specialist advisors who can help you work through the issues that might affect your business. They can also provide free specialist support from employment lawyers, accountants specialising in the new VAT regime and experts on IP and data. Go to www.businesshub.london.